0: What's up? It's Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Thanks for listening to the Under the Hood podcast presented by Coors Light. Stay inside and buy your Coors Light online. Find out how at get.coorslight.com. Coors Light, take time to chill.
1: It's Under the Hood. Follow us on the gram at Hood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports, ESPN 1000.
0: Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, the brand-new ESPN Chicago app. So glad you're with us as we talk about the death of George Floyd. Uh, we turn to the TheUndefeated.com's Clinton Yates, uh, the voice of reason, uh, friend of the show, and he joins me here on ESPN 1000. Clinton, I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on the show.
2: No doubt, Hood. Glad to see the year still okay. I've been seeing Chicago doing their best to try to maintain not just normalcy but safety in these tough times. So glad to be here.
0: I just want to just find out from your standpoint how everything is going with with you because you have several perspectives, um, not only what is going on with D.C., but now in Los Angeles. So I know that you have tentacles in both spots. Yeah. Uh, what is the reaction that you have heard and seen?
2: I'll start with my hometown first. D.C. is in a very difficult and different position than a lot of cities. For those of you who don't know the urban history of the District of Columbia, it basically took up until, I don't know, 15 years ago, for them to rebuild from the last time protests got out of control and riots in the 60s destroyed all of the town. Um, You know, the economic rebuilding that that took in the city is something that is very fresh in a lot of people's minds. So people don't don't look at protesting and what we'll just call rioting lightly. You know what I'm saying? That's not something that people can just sort of wave their hand at. There are a lot of folks who've had their lives turned upside down who are still alive who think about that. So that's where DC is at, you know, I don't think anybody wants to see anything get any farther out of control than it already has and I'm talking about the protests going violent, not just the behavior of law enforcement officials. Now here in LA, I think the vibe is a little different. LA of course has its own specific urban history with demonstration. You look back at Rodney King, you look at Watts in the 60s and LA is kind of in their own world in terms of what is reasonable to apply to the streets. So I'm riding around in LA right now. I can hear helicopters. I've seen more police squad cars in the last three days than I've probably seen in the six weeks that I moved since I moved here. And what each municipality does to try to tamp down what they feel are threats is different. But I know in each place, the specific histories of those locations matter as much as anything more largely more largely, nationally as far as, you know, impact and getting along overall as a society.
0: Clinton, as we take a look at the George Floyd story, this is a story that is uh, very similar to what we have seen generationally. It is one thing to see the video. It's another thing to read and hear about stories such as the George Floyd story that we have seen. I want to know, th- does this feel nationally different to you than other deaths and and killings uh, like George Floyd?
2: It feels a little different to me for one reason and one reason only, and that is because we've seen people responding to this that are way outside of the normal. And I'm not talking about, I don't know, the New York Islanders or Natasha Cloud in the NBW NBA, who, by the way, is not new on this. She has been talking about underprivileged and violent societies using her platform for a while, but we've heard from the University of Minnesota talking about we're going to relook at our relationship with the Minnesota Police Department. We've seen the Minnesota school system say the same thing. That, to me, forget about these people trying to bust into a van store and get to do kicks. That, to me, is really what makes a difference here, is when the, the groups that we're used to tying themselves in with all the other pillars of authority, decide they're not going to do that anymore, that, to me, is a real change. And that's been different for me. So while the different outbursts, if you will, have meant something, the fact that where this actually happened, the people who did not have to make any changes, at least not, you know, topically, as far as anybody's concerned, they did. And they said as much out loud. That, to me, shows that this is different well beyond anything I see on YouTube or social media.
0: Clinton Yates from com with Jonathan Hood and Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. I'll also say this, Clinton, as far as something that's different and new uh, when it comes to deaths, stories like this. When the police chief of Minneapolis, Arnando, says on the record that not only is Derek Chauvin um, complicit, but also the three officers that were a a part of that scene, also complicit when you're saying that that is totally different than what you'll ever get uh, from stories like that. I thought that that was very compelling. I saw yesterday.
2: It was. And if you want to get into the specific chalk talk of this case, I think the way that the Minneapolis police department has handled things has been corrective at best, but it's gotten to a point that was at the very least communicative. And that's all we can ask for. I was talking to Marty and McGee on ESPN Radio on the weekend this this weekend, and they said, well, where can we find hope? And I say the only hope, at least for black folks in America, is through accountability. You can't hope within reasonable lifetime amounts, lifetime spans, that some large kumbaya is going to happen. That's just not realistic. What we can hope for is that what does happen is accounted for and discussed and prosecuted or not properly. That's all we can really ask for because – the difference between justice and order, in a lot of ways, is the difference between being white and not. I mean, that's just really what it comes down to. If you're more concerned about the order of the streets than you are about fixing the problem that led to the issue to begin with, well, then that implies you have a certain amount of privilege. So for me, you know, that, that to me is the relationship that has changed the most, is that people understand what the purpose of accountability is, beyond just rage at any particular group or any particular individual, it sows the seeds of justice. That is what accountability is for, and sometimes order is not always a priority in that particular regard.
0: Clinton, when I'm talking to young people, I know you do the same. When you talk to young people, you get a perspective of what the next generation or two is going to look like for the future, what's going through their mind. And one of the things that resonates with me the most in those conversations is that they just want to be heard. They want to be able to have a voice. They want to be able to feel like that they are part of of something positive. That's what it is on the surface. I'm just wondering, like, what does the the future of our country look like when they see stories of, of George Floyd and not just in George Floyd? It's all the other uh, executions, all the other uh, deaths at the hands of police. I wonder what the the next generation looks at. How do they view what their life will look like when they're adults?
2: You know, one of the things that I've found similarly to you about that generation is that whatever they see, they're going to talk about it, and that is the main thing that I appreciate. And I've been on a lot of different airways and networks today, and I mentioned Quite frankly, I don't care what a lot of white people think when it comes to how to solve problems for black Americans. I think the priority is listening to black Americans first. But that does not mean that I do not think that there is value in a Carson Wentz, in a Joe Burrow coming out and saying something that doesn't come from your normal voice. I think there's a lot to be said for that, because the other side of listening to black folks when it comes to speaking about our plight is making sure that other communities go back to where y'all came from and talk to y'all's people about this you see what i'm saying so that's one thing that i believe that the younger generation has done well through social media through whatever exposure it may be they know how to speak up and if the people who are on their level who again don't have to talk about this are at least forced to listen from messengers that are not normally the ones in the batter's box to use the baseball metaphor well then we've got to win you know that to me is the grand value of what this next generation can do. I got a kid sister who's in college and I got a kid brother who's in high school and they be talking, you know, and that's all you can really ask for because if we're going to talk about how we need the discussion, we're going to have a dialogue. As Charles Barkley would say, well, then make sure everybody's talking, you know, and make sure the right people are listening because that's the only way you're going to get priority um, effectiveness when it comes to what should and should not go down. So that young generation, they do that well. They speak up when they can because they're allowed to and because they now have the system technologically for them to own their own. Businesses.
0: You know, Clinton, I just look at everything that we have seen leading into June 1st, and it's just, this has just been hell on wheels, all of it, in yeah. 2020. Like COVID-19, record unemployment, over 102, 103,000 people killed in this country, uh, dying in this country because of COVID 19. Those that, that died during this George Floyd, uh, uh, scenario, what's going on here yeah. with some of the riots? It's just, it has just been a lot. It's just been a lot. And I just think that there are some, not all, and I don't, I can't parse the percentage. I'm just saying that there are some that's been in this pressure cooker after a while. Mask versus no mask. Should I, uh, stay at home and save lives or should I go out? I just think there's a lot of people upset and pissed off about everything that's been going on here.
2: Oh, absolutely. And don't get me wrong here. I believe that the racial injustices to the law enforcement system of America are enough to make me, you, and Deontay down the street fired up enough to say something or do something in a public platform. Mm -hmm. But I also believe that because of where we are on June 1st, 2020, that there are a lot more people who absolutely have to do something to satisfy their own feelings of self because they've been cooped up for so long or they're so hurt about everything else. That's completely reasonable to me. You know, there is a large element of quarantine headache that is coming into what we see on the streets of America today. And I'm not saying that that excuses anybody. and I'm not saying that, that somehow puts those who choose violence over communication as smarter. What I'm saying is that don't disassociate the two just because you can't. Folks are upset for a lot of reasons. This, a very good reason is one that set them off. And I think that the violence level just in general is up because of our heightened state of anxiety. That's been because of all the things that you mentioned.
0: I was on with Wadlin Sylvie earlier at the after, our afternoon show at one here at ESPN 1000. And mm-hmm. <laughs> one of the questions they asked me is what can, you know, what can we do? <laughs> and, and, I just kind and, and <laughs> of, and Tom, one. I know, I know and, and I love Tom Waddle and I love Mark Silverman. It's just that, you know, the the thing that I told them I said, Tom, stop saying that you just don't know anything and I'm just going to listen uh, because you have the platform to say that what we saw from George Floyd was wrong and that systemic racism through the police department is wrong. Like right. it, it starts there. Like I would, I would tell tell any white person or someone that is detached from this story still, if that's a, if that's possible, that just saying that this is wrong and that I'm going to tell everybody that's wrong, or I'll uh, be able to communicate that. That's the first step. There is no what what can we do? It is you saying with your platform, whether you're on the air or not, that that's wrong. That would that be a sage advice or not?
2: I would agree. Yeah. And because, you know, and for those of you who say, well, you know, I don't know how much that's going to do or it's hard. Well, too bad. I mean, if if it's hard or if you don't see the effectiveness, well, then deal with that. I mean, you don't don't ask black folks for a solution and then your reply be the only thing that you can do is something you can understand. You ain't going to understand what it's going to take because you aren't living it. And that's the whole point. But the acknowledgement, as you mentioned, Hood, is what comes first. If you acknowledge this issue and you acknowledge that your existence alone feeds the issue, whether or not you are a violent perpetrator or, you know, a tacit perpetrator, then you know, if you can acknowledge that, then you can move forward and say aloud to somebody else who needs to hear it, what's actually going on. The problem is that, frankly, frailty and guilt understandably as human emotions enter so much of our public communication that people have problems talking out loud about things without exculpating themselves most primarily, because that's just where we are conditioning wise in America. But if you're honest with yourself and you can admit that you live in a country and in a world in which privilege matters, because some people can turn off this discussion and some people can't, well then you can finally get to maybe doing something. But if you can't acknowledge that your place, Not you, but one's place is as important as one's action, you know, in the face of black folks, then you're not going to be able to make any real advancement. Go ahead and talk to your pastor. Talk to your CYO coach. Go ahead and talk to the dude that mows your lawn. Talk to him or talk to them about what's going on in black America, because they need to know as much as I need to know that any particular white person is on my side.
0: Clinton, I'm glad you spent some time with us in Chicago. I just want to get your perspective because D.C. and uh, L.A., um, amongst other cities, have issues. So I'm glad that you jumped in and gave us your perspective.
2: Absolutely, man. Stay safe out there. And I hope everybody in Chicago who's listening understands that it's very simple. We do not want revenge. We want equality. There's a difference.
0: Clinton Yates from TheUndefeated.com with Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Hi, everybody. On
3: ESPN
0: 1000, Chicago's home for sports. This
3: is Chicago's home for sports. Stream ESPN 1000 easily
1: on the all-new ESPN Chicago app.
3: You're listening to Under the Hood on ESPN 1000.
0: Thanks for being with me here on this Monday night under the hood with Jonathan Hood here on ESPN one thousand and the ESPN Chicago app. Watching the coverage as we host the show tonight. Still a lot of um protesters and looters that are out there that are not adhering to the curfew in a number of cities across the country, and they are out and about and some are there for good to continue to talk about George Floyd and talk about how this was wrong. And others are out there just to be able to entice the police. That also is wrong. You know, as I mentioned earlier, there's so many layers to this story that surrounds George Floyd. The number one story though, we can't get it twisted and try to mix uh, B and C and D stories with the A story. The A story all surrounds George Floyd and how George Floyd was killed unnecessarily by a police officer in Minneapolis while three others stood around and watched that's the number one story and uh, i guess a subtext to that story is is that this is something that has been way too common in our country way too common the names are endless of those that have suffered and who have died at the hands of police unnecessarily. So that's the number one story. But this has been a melting pot of so many different things that have happened here since January. The COVID-19 that has been out there, being quarantined, the record unemployment in this country, the businesses that are shut down, living check-to-check trying to figure out how you can be able to make the mortgage, how can you be able to pay for your bills, can't go out, can't see your family, all these things happening along with George Floyd. And there have been so many people that are out there in the streets today that are concerned about trying to figure out how, when I, once I can get into a store, can I get toilet paper, can I get the necessities, should I wear a mask, should I not wear a mask, all of this has happened. But the thing that is not new is the distrust of people. The distrust of people. There is a lot of that in this country, that gulf that has been the biggest in years, just based on a side of an aisle. I have never been one to delve into politics on my sports show over the years, and it won't start here. But I will tell you that if someone tells you that the George Floyd issue is based on a political statement or based on, oh, there's ESPN talk of politics again. There's nothing political about a man dying and being killed by police. There's nothing political about that. This is about justice, social justice, and it's also about being a good human being. It's about being a humanitarian, someone that cares about their fellow man or woman. There's nothing political about this. And the other thing too, is that if you base your life on a side of an aisle politically, you base your entire life on the side of an aisle politically, then you've already lost. You've lost. I just know that I do not base my life on a side of an aisle. Well, you know, I'm a lifelong Republican. So this is who I am. Okay. Well, that's how you vote. That's not who you are. If that is who you are. Then that's a problem because that means that you're a follower instead of being a leader, which we need a lot more of in this country, a lot more leaders. Well, I'm just a staunch Democrat. You know, the Republicans just no good. I'm just going to always be a Democrat. Well, that's fine. I, you live your life as a Democrat. That's great. But what does that mean? What does that mean necessarily? You think it's all Democrats and all and no Republicans out there to support George Floyd? You think it's vice versa? Point is, is that what we need to do in this country, in this city, we'll start with the city, is to be able to help one another and understand one another a lot better. Boy, well, how many times have you heard that there's such a racial divide in this city that is just completely split? I mean, you can see from how we live here, from war ward to ward, the separation. That's I think that's pretty well documented, and we've seen this for years. I've seen this since I was uh, was born. The separation of the uh, cities, of uh, the the neighborhoods in this city and the city to the suburbs and how different that they are and how separate that we are. But the point is, is that when we have George Floyd, someone in, we use that as an example because he died, but George Floyd is a microcosm of people that died at the hands of police in which maybe the police or people around the, George Floyd or people like George Floyd didn't understand him. They didn't understand the situation there are some listening to me right now that don't think that this is a big story. They just think just another black guy that just gets killed. Let's move along to the next story. And that's really unfortunate because that's not how I'd feel about my fellow man or my fellow woman. I would feel, I would feel sympathetic about that family. The other thing is too, is that we got to realize that George Floyd had a family. We heard from his brother earlier that that man had a family. And so now you just, snuff his life out just because you've got a badge on it makes the rest of the police look bad. If I was a police officer knowing that Chauvin and uh, Chauvin and the other three officers that were sitting around uh, and, and allowing this to happen, I, I you know I would have something to say about it. You know, not you ought to take my badge for saying something that's right. You have to be on the side of right. And you know that that's not right. And so it goes back to the question of, well, What can we do about it? Talking to was mentioning to Clinton Yates, my conversation with and Sylvie earlier, that whole conversation of like, what what are we supposed to do? What should we do? Well, it starts with the police. It starts with the police first, and how they've got to denounce this nonsense. That they have to denounce this right away. Like this is not who we are. This is not my department. We don't have these issues. Say it. If you do have these issues, you need to be able to rid yourself of those people in your department. This is like this for any job. Why would you have someone that is, does not have any feeling for someone else? Does not um, value the life of someone else? Why would you have that person in your department? And then you come to find out when you read closely and really research this stuff, that all of these officers that was involved in the George Floyd issue and the George Floyd death had so many complaints about them, but you continue to just roll them out there anyway, right? Because you, if you continue to roll them out there with all these different issues, that means that you don't have value for George Floyd or anybody else's life, white, black, Latino, whoever. You don't have any value for any, anybody that these officers are supposed to serve and protect. Just think about that for a second. This is not a referendum, not from my show. There's not a referendum on police because I have police officers that are in my family. So that's not gonna be a thing. There there's no negativity against the police as a whole. That's stupid. You you don't you don't say every police person someone that's a policeman or a policewoman is bad because of this incident. It's just it's just really selfish to snuff out a life just because Laquan McDonald's running away from the police and he just gets shot up just because the police can do it. Castillo is in there in the, in the car with his, his girlfriend. And just because the police can do it, just sprayed him filled, full with, filled with bullets right next to his girlfriend in the car, just because he can do it. And there is a systemic problem with this. This story is not a one-off. So the sports side of this about athletes, right? So I saw Michael Jordan's statement. And it shocked so many people like, oh, Michael saying something about how he's dismayed and how he disappointed and angry that he is that George Floyd's dead. Like, it, like that parts that parts to seize when you hear Michael Jordan or have Michael Jordan have a statement through the Jordan brand about his dismay. Well, how can you say anything else beside sympathy and that bad feeling for George Floyd? Of course, of course. Michael Jordan or someone else could say something. it's rare for him to make a statement, but it even touches him. It even touches him. And you can understand athletes have always been uh, part of the conversation about things that's happening in the community, especially athletes of the modern day of what's happening today. And of course you will get those, pundits that will say athletes should not have any conversations or not speak out on social issues. LeBron James is one that's always spoke out on those issues and I've appreciated it. He's saying more than than Michael Jordan's ever said in his career about social issues. Now that Jordan has paved the way for that, and doesn't feel like he's going to get blackballed for it. So now LeBron James in this era of, of athletes, not just basketball players, but athletes feel strongly about saying things about uh, George Floyd and issues of the community. And then you have pundits to say, just shut up and dribble. Don't you realize that athletes that have lived in these communities that live in urban areas that have had a tough upbringing, they can speak on this even better than a lot of us can. So why can't athletes speak up and say what's on their mind? how dare somebody say, shut up and dribble. Don't talk about what's going on in the communities because we just want you to entertain us. Stick to sports. F you stick to sports. George Floyd's death is more important than me talking about the major league baseball labor situation. Millionaires against billionaires. I do that all the time. That's my career. But Athletes have a right, just like you have a right and I have a right to be able to speak on these things. And, and, and I'm not building a straw man when I'm talking about this. I'm talking about this because there are those that will use that hashtag on social media or sit behind a desk on a network and say that that athletes don't have a right to speak on social issues. Just sports. Just be robotized sheep. And that's wrong, too. As I mentioned, Eric, there's a lot of layers to this thing, (laughs) including that, right? The idea that athletes can't speak on these things. People from those neighborhoods who have experienced these things should be able to speak out on it, regardless of who they are, what they do, what they look like. If they have experienced this sort of oppression, they have a right to talk about it. Sure. Even if they know someone that's that's been able to go through this, you have to say, hey, my cousin, my father, my mother, my brother, we've all, some of us have gone gone through this and this is their experience, you know? And oh, I know someone that was killed by the police and here's the experience that we had. And I'm going to speak against it because I have a platform. So I just, it's, it's amazing. Like I said, like I said, so many layers to this that we had to address here. And, and I would uh, invite people to go to the LA times and find out what um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had to say about uh, George Floyd. A terrific column, just eloquent. When I talked to Kareem, he, he had no, he had no use for me when I interviewed him a couple times uh, during the Final Four. But that guy is a brilliant guy and very thoughtful when it comes to issues like this. Uh, let us hear now from Stephen A. Smith, who was on First Take. He's back from his vacation, and he had a lot to say uh, about. George Floyd, and uh, if athletes are silent, they are compliant.
3: Just really drives you crazy because you hear, you you see something like this and the fact that it took this For all of us to come together and to speak black and white, to speak out publicly about it. I think that's unfortunate, which is why I lean on what Dominique Foxworth was saying earlier today. Certainly he was just talking in general about folks who are in positions of power and influence who happen to be white to take a stand and stop being fearful. And my message to white America would be what the hell what the hell are you fearful for if you're not the one doing such things or even thinking about doing such things. It's not enough to be silent, okay? If you're silent, you're compliant. That's really what this comes down to. It's just no way around it. If that's the situation, if all you have to do is speak up, what exactly is it that you have to fear? This is the point that we've reached right now, and I think it's incredibly important, the point that you just made, Charlemagne, because here's the bottom line. If you've got young white folks speaking out, they're the most powerful entity as far as I'm concerned, in the american system at this particular moment in time because they're the ones that don't have to be ostracized their parents are not going to ostracize them they're not going to castigate them they're not going to shove them aside if they speak up and resonate like we know they can i think that's the one
1: under the hood with jonathan hood how you doing follow us on the grab at igj hood and at espn underscore chicago espn 1000 chicago's home for sports
0: A lot of this story was covered on Saturday when I teamed with Jeff Dickerson, when we did Dickerson and Hood. You can catch us every Saturday afternoon right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. And don't forget, if you download the ESPN Chicago app, you can be able to check out the podcast for all the shows, including mine, Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. And don't forget, um, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday as well. So, If you get a chance, download the ESPN Chicago app. If you have not done so, do that. You can listen to the shows live and check out as well uh, the podcast, uh, like the three hours that we have covered here on George Floyd. Some uh, some thoughts from J.D. and I on Saturday because we were watching the coverage and uh, we were commenting on the death of George Floyd on Dickerson and Hood right here on ESPN 1000
1: you know Jonathan and I have done shows together we've done shows together for a long time and yeah. and we have done a lot of shows on days where sports was not the main focus of anybody especially now when there are really no not many sports uh going on in in real time fashion but i certainly want to say that on behalf of Jonathan and myself our our thoughts are with everyone that's been affected By what's going on across the country after the murder of George Floyd, the unrest in in cities uh, across America, Jonathan, and certainly in Minnesota, where hopefully um, it doesn't get worse. But there are people are saying that, you know, tonight could be the worst night uh, in in Minneapolis. Um, Again, this is a sports show. We talk sports, but we also, I think, understand what's on the mind of America. And certainly this is at the front and center after what happened, sadly, to to George Floyd.
0: As a a black man living in Chicago, George Floyd's murder, his assassination, angers me. Uh, And it angers you as well, Jeff, because this angers me like I was angered by Eric Garner and by Michael Brown and by John Crawford and by Laquan McDonald and Philando Castile and Sandra Bland, and the list goes on and on and on this murder of George Floyd is not new to our world, not new toward this country. The lack of humanity versus black people by those who serve and protect is a generational issue. It's not a 2020 issue. It's a generational issue. The difference between someone who is white and someone like me is that if you are pulled over by the police, you could fear getting a ticket if I'm pulled over, I could die at the hands of police. And that's not hyperbole because the proof is there time and time again. And I'm tired of seeing these videos. I'm tired of seeing these that are supposed to serve and protect. And on top of that, let me just say this. When it comes to the police, and there are plenty of people that are police and those that serve, protect, that listen to this show and this network. There are some that are saying, well, you know, there's only a few bad apples. I've never seen a bad apple uh, assassinate someone. we got to stop chalking it up to just a few bad apples. Until the police, not former police officers that are on Fox or MSNBC or CNN, until the police that are currently serving are able to say something about this, saying that, you know what, this is not how we do our business. We are not in the position, are not in the job to be able to kill people just because we can until you have current police officers denouncing this nonsense, denouncing these murders, then it's going to be another show like this. When we talk about civil unrest and a bias, a cultural bias against black people by the police. The only,
1: there's no positives that could really come out of this. And when I say, educate people remember this continues to happen so i could sit here and be like well maybe people will learn from this jonathan but i mean do people learn from anything really if people would learn from it it wouldn't keep happening however there are some that you can talk to you can educate like my son for example your radio godson who's Mm -hmm. nine years old i mean i had to have a serious talk with him yesterday because he kids are very smart you think they're up there playing Fortnite, and i'm telling you they're watching youtube and there are videos of this stuff all over youtube and kids are watching it and they don't really understand a lot of times what's going on so he had been i know him he's very interested in stuff so he's been seeing the footage right he sees the the protesters he sees the riots he sees the violence and i'm like you know what's going on right he's like i really don't understand i go i go buddy i go look I go, and I use the analogy you just used. I said, where we live, when Dad was speeding a couple months ago and the police officer pulled him over and you were in the car, and I, I'm sorry for that, I was going too fast, but I go, to any point did you ever feel like our life was in danger? He goes, no. I go, right. I go, what did the cop do? He goes, well, he gave you a warning, and I didn't get a ticket either. He goes. He, he goes, he gave you a warning, he talked to you, and he walked away. I said, it's not like that for everybody. I'm not saying that happens every time to anybody, but it happens enough where if you're a certain person, you get very nervous in these situations. This stuff can happen. I go, imagine going through life feeling that way. And I, I think Jonathan, he he got it. I mean, he might be a knucklehead, you know, mm-hmm. who does things, but I mean as far as really important issues, I think he gets it. So Maybe this could again serve to remind or educate younger people, but the older generations, I I don't know. I mean, again, like you keep hoping that behaviors will change, but Jonathan, it just keeps happening over and over again.
0: Absolutely. And, and Jeff, this intersects to those Colin Kaepernick shows that we did. We filled in for Levitard and we thought, oh, we're going to Levitard. It's going to be you know jazz hands and a little fun and all that stuff. And then it's like then the Colin Kaepernick stuff drops in our lap and we're sitting in for them all week trying to make out what is um, best when it comes to Colin Kaepernick and people on both sides of the issue. Well, once again, we circle back to Colin Kaepernick. Where Colin Kaepernick continued to kneel because of police brutality against black people against people of color and and those that don't believe in that and then believe that that's true want to shift the narrative and say, well, Colin Kaepernick is just dis- disrespecting the flag. Why is he doing this during the national anthem? It's a disrespect for the flag when we're seeing people disrespect the flag on a daily basis. But because it's Colin Kaepernick, people think, oh, he's just doing this for Twitter. Oh, he's just trying to do this to try to get attention, trying to help his brand. It's, that's nonsense. Complete BS. Colin Kaepernick knelt Because of what we are dealing with right now. Example um, um, 1 million. Example 1 million is George Floyd. Once again, someone has to die at the hands of the police uh, just because. Just because I can't. I can put my knee on the back of somebody's neck and murder him just because I've got a uniform. Just because. Because I'm the police, and so I'm the person that's supposed to serve and protect. Well, Instead of doing that, I'm just going to take someone's life just like that just because I can. And so Kaepernick is kneeling saying, this is wrong. We have to stop this killing in our streets by police to, um, to black people in this country. And people shift the narrative. Oh, no, that's, that's not why he was doing that. If someone tells you that I'm here for a cause, you should believe them. You should believe them, especially something serious like that. But no, got to turn a blind eye to that. You know why? That's not happening in my community, so it's not happening. Well, if it's not happening in your community, it's certainly on your TV. It's certainly on your social media. And the bottom line is, is that there are protests across this country, as we were watching this coverage last night, Jeff, from, from Oakland to Des Moines to Phoenix, to in Chicago, New York, Atlanta, across Charlotte, Louisville, all across this country, because there are a number of people that are walking the streets this afternoon and later on tonight, to let people know that this is wrong against anybody. But it's, again, definitely it is a systemic issue and a disconnect that has been there for a long time between police and black people. It's it's, is not a 2020 issue. This has been a generational issue for a long, long time. I'm tired of watching it. But the thing is, is that it's not going to stop until police that are currently in the job say, we are not like that guy. We're not like this person that's going to put a knee on the back of a black man just to prove how strong we are. That's not the job. That's never been the job. But yet, this has been the issue for a long, long time in this country. It's not going to stop because here's the thing, Jeff. Once this officer or the four officers are convicted or if they're put in jail, what happens after that?
1: Nothing. Nothing happens after that life goes
0: on. You mean tell me like that stops now? Now we're not going to have police brutality against black people? Not going not to have police brutality, period, against anybody? Of course not. That's the issue. How does it stop? How does it slow? How does it stop? That's the question.
1: Well, and again, to me, Dickerson and Hode, it's ESPN Radio on the ESPN app. That topic of police brutality towards black people is almost like school shootings, you know? Mm -hmm. Like when a school shooting happens, oh, it's thoughts and prayers, right? It's never gun control. It's thoughts and prayers. We feel so bad for those affected, and then we forget about it after five days, and the next shooting happens a month later. And to your point, too, about Kaepernick, you know, it's amazing to me the hypocrisy and just the flat-out dishonesty by people in high-ranking positions in this country that were so – Unhappy by the peaceful protest that Colin Kaepernick and the NFL players did, right? They were just so outraged by this. Didn't respect their right to peacefully protest then. But now they're the same ones coming back saying, Whoa, I mean, we we're okay if the protests are peaceful. We just want peaceful protests. We don't want people, the looters and the rioters. You know, now you're you're making it harder for the peaceful protesters to get their message across. When you know darn well, Jonathan, they didn't care one bit about the message that the peaceful protesters in the NFL were trying to put out there a couple of years ago.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I'll i just say this, that people will hear this wrong and hear it the way they want to hear it, and I'm not here to try to change your opinion. All, all I'll say is this, is that this is not the typical ESPNs being political This is not about politics. It's not about the aisle. I couldn't give two blanks about the aisle. I couldn't care about the aisle, on what side of the aisle you're on. It's not an aisle situation. It's about human decency. I'm not against you because you're different than me. I'm not against you because you're from a different area than me. I respect you just like you respect me, and that should be the end of it. That That has nothing to do with an aisle. It's just about being decent, being human. You're a human being like I am. Why am I against you? Just because you're from a different area is because you look different from me? That makes no sense to me. That makes no sense. So so for those that are on the, this is a political, this is not about politics. It's about social justice. It's about being able to get along with someone else that's different from me, or the same, by the way, that, that, that has a, walks the same line that you walk. It, it doesn't matter what side, if you're a Democrat or Republican, in this situation. It's about how we can be able to come together. That's what it's about. Not about red ties and blue ties and whether you have a D or R next to you and how you vote. It's about how you can be able to get along with your fellow man, your fellow woman. That's what it's about. We, we
1: should all be on the same team when it comes to not wanting to see people murdered. How about that? Can we all be on that team? Not wanting Well, I'm on to see that team, murdered? but...
0: but- well, I think we know our country in 2020, and the answer uh, is, yeah, I would like for that to be the case, but apparently not. This is Under the
2: Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. This is Under the Hood.
1: Under the Hood podcasts are available now on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. Available on your device now.
3: This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports.
0: Full show tomorrow between 7 and 10 right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Boy, I am just full. Just the the stories that we have followed on George Floyd, all the news channels. It's just been, uh, can't say it's overwhelming because I'm hanging in there and I'm telling you uh, my thoughts on what's been going on. We've had some terrific guests tonight really giving us a perspective of everything that's been going on, uh, not just only in Chicago, but uh, hearing from Clinton Yates telling us what's going on in the D.C., in the D.C. area, and the, also in Los Angeles and Ray Flores uh, in Santa Monica and hearing from c c s who's doing the most uh, in Columbus, Ohio, and, of course, Henry Lake from Minneapolis. We had some great perspectives on what's going on in all over the country, as a matter of fact, with this George Floyd uh, story, and our thanks to Eric Ostrowski on the other side of the glass, producing and directing the show. So again, 7 to 10 tomorrow. We will do Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday tomorrow because we've got that booked with the TNA Champion Moose, but uh, we've got some other things up our sleeve tomorrow, so check in tomorrow night and don't forget to download the podcast ESPN Chicago's
3: um, app, and make sure you look for Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood.